0: up everyone and welcome to the weekly q&a starting off with patreon questions anthony c asks if cassian being in this fight since he was six years old has been retconned
1: no i don't think so at all like i just don't think we've seen his full past i think that's it
0: (laughs) so just today i was watching the star wars show and uh diego luna kind of talks a little bit about this but when he says that line i've been in this fight since i was six years old you could take that as he has been fighting for his own life since then yeah so not specifically part of that rebellion but we don't know when you know he he lost his actual parents how long he's been on that island (laughs) yeah what's
1: going on there
0: yeah so. And that
1: yeah, I totally agree that it doesn't mean I've been fighting the Empire since I was six, even though I don't think it counts anymore. The reference books, the the visual guide for Rogue One said that he fought against the separatists first, or, or fought with the separatists against the Republic. So I think that what he means is I have been fighting against oppression uh, since I was six. And we are used to viewing the Republic as the good guys, but there's a reason. The Clone Wars happened and that there was a separatist movement is that they felt that uh, they weren't being treated fairly by the Republic and wanted to uh, secede so we, we haven't seen that yet I don't think but yeah the fact that even Diego Luna brought it up in a video we saw today makes me know that like that line is on their minds
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they're going to they might not explore what his life was like when he was six but just because we don't see it doesn't mean that it didn't happen in some form.
0: Also, in the heat of an argument, you know, the older you get, the the less accurate you can recall things. So, for all he knows, he was six when he started that fight. Yeah,
1: it's one of, we've made that joke before uh, for Yoda, because people ask the question, like, uh, he says he's been training Jedi for 800 years, but he's only 900, so, like... It seems like one of those things where Yoda could be that that number goes up every time. He's really been training Jedi for like 400 years, but then it became 500 and 600. And Luke doesn't know. So he's like 800 years I've trained Jedi. (laughs) It it could be the same thing. And I, I know that I get stuck in that mindset, too, of, okay, a character said something and that makes it true in this universe, but it doesn't like these are people who are just talking Mm -hmm. And they can be wrong. And so I think that's a really great point, is that, yeah, he's like, whatever, I've been in this fight since I was way younger than you, and he just threw a number out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah, I I think the point is he has been in this fight since he was young. That's still true. We've still seen it on screen. And there's still more to learn.
0: Framed Citizen wants to know why there weren't subtitles for the Kanari language and if we liked that.
1: I thought that was kind of a nice build-off of talking about Cassian's youth. I actually do like that quite a bit. I mean, I was surprised and I remember when we turned the subtitles on and it just says speaking canari and I was like, okay. <laughs> Great.
0: Thanks. <laughs> yeah,
1: thank you. <laughs> um, but I do like it.
0: I do too. I think what from what we've seen on Canary so far, Canary Canari, however you say Tweet it. like Twilek. Uh from what we've seen from that timeline so far, they're getting the point across. We know kind of generally what's happening there. I think they're purposely not giving us the exact words so we can kind of slowly learn his backstory.
1: Exactly. I I think that this is a mystery that they are rolling out. I think all of this stuff has been purposeful. Like, I remember when the first episodes came out and people were like, oh, they made a mistake and they put the Separatist patch on, but. Then they called them Republic officers. It's like, that's not a mistake. You're supposed to notice that. And we're supposed to have those questions. And I think that them not getting subtitles is part of us trying to play with that and figure out what the solution is. And we'll figure it out, probably. We Mm -hmm. might not. But the way that they are deliberately keeping information from us and posing these questions, I do think that we are going to learn more and more about Cassian's past, like Molly is brought up, why does it have to be a secret that he was from Kanari? That's another question that I think we're going to find out over the course of the season or the both seasons or whatever. But I think it's fun to have just the context of like Cassian comes up or Cassa tries to put on war paint and the older kid smacks his hand. And then the other older kid says something. that's like, no, it's okay. He's old enough. Like trying to just figure out what's going on in their culture without having it literally spelled out for us.
0: Audrey asks how we think Luthan's character will progress in the series.
1: He's another one that's just a, a mystery wrapped in an enigma. Like, <laughs> who is he? Which one is his real life? Is it the one wearing the wig or the one outside of the wig? Or? Which
0: wig is he going to wear today? Yeah.
1: How many wigs does he have? <laughs> mm. We don't know. <laughs> he has a whole closet full of stuff. Yeah. So
0: I, I, his character is is very mysterious to me, and I I love the the way he's playing these other characters in his life. Like he he's got. You know, the the guy who he first met Cassian and then he's got his like other persona with the wig and he's very like flowery with his gestures and stuff like that. So who knows how many sides there are to him? Well,
1: I would say we even saw a different side of him when he was talking to Vel alone where, you know, with Cassian, he's like, here's a down payment. I want this back. And then talking to Vel, he's like, he's disposable. I don't know which way he really feels. I I want to believe that he thinks Cassian's going to make it out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh that like that's why he gave him the kyber crystal. Um but I don't know. And I kind of see him right now as being the middle ground between Mon Mothma and Saw Gerrera, who we know we're going to see later, but Mon Mothma being like the idealized version of the Rebel Alliance, Saw Gerrera being the version that is fighting what it hates mm-hmm. and just wants to cause pain. And we even learned in episode four, it's like they'll cut your head off if you fall asleep on watch duty. Like, like I see Luthan as maybe being in the middle right now and they could have something to say about that. Tony Gilroy might have something to say about the, the middle ground people and why Mon Mothma is necessary <laughs> if you're revolting like this. Or, or a character like that to help lead.
0: Yeah. I think he's going to die.
1: I imagine so. I don't know if it's this season, but I I don't think he's going to make it out of this series.
0: Cuz I you know, we can already see the beginnings of him inspiring Cassian to become who we see him as in Rogue One. And there's also that line where Mon Mothma is talking to him in like the back of his shop and she says, I'll be the first to fall. And that seems a little like foreshadowing to where she's not going to be the first of all, like he, he would go first. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. That's why we like him so much. I think is because he is new. We have no idea where his story is headed and every new little piece of information we learn about him is a lot of fun. So yeah, I think you might be right that, this season might be his only season.
0: Continuing with Luther's story, Jedi Bosk wants to know if he has a strong connection to the Jedi.
1: Because he had that kyber crystal, he gave it to Cassian. We also know he has uh, a Jedi holocron. He also has a Sith holocron. So that's interesting. I don't really think he has any connection to the Jedi. I don't think he was one. I don't think he's Force-sensitive. I just think... He is a student of history. That's the way I view it.
0: I think of him a little bit like Maz Kanata. Obviously, he's not as old as she is, but the way she talks about the Jedi, the Sith, like she knows the stories. She knows the history that's there. I think he also knows about a lot of the stuff going on with the Jedi, but I don't think he's buddies with any of them.
1: I could see him getting along with Maz, actually. Uh, someone who is like, yeah, I mean, Moz was force sensitive, not a Jedi, not a Sith, was a pirate queen. Uh, so yeah, I could see him being someone who has that knowledge, but is someone who will keep Jedi and Sith artifacts. And again, like, I, I guess I'm seeing a bunch of stuff that seems like there's a balance with him and not necessarily a good one. It's just like he is in the middle. I don't mean like balance in the force kind of balance. Um, something else I wanted to point out is Rick Villanueva, uh, shot me a DM and said that it looked like all of the artifacts or a lot of them in his antiquity shop were taken from other planets that the empire had subjugated. Uh, and I was like, that is an interesting thought. We have Mandalore, Kashyyyk, uh, maybe, uh, Dathomir, um, Naboo maybe not subjugated but you know Palpatine was from Naboo and Mm -hmm. just a lot of artifacts that kind of symbolized the empire's reign and taking over the galaxy I just thought that was interesting
0: I feel like that's the same as like gift shops in the south selling stuff with the confederate flag on it it's like (laughs) they're gonna Show that kind of stuff off to make the people of Coruscant, the people of the Empire, feel better about themselves.
1: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Living in the South where Stone Mountain looms large, it's like, yeah, that that's pretty relevant.
0: Gui asks if our understanding of the flashback scenes has changed now that we know they take place before the Clone Wars.
1: Shout out to Sooner Thrawn, who last week asked if Those flashbacks could have taken place before the Clone Wars, and I was like, huh, I hadn't even considered that. I just assumed, Separatist patch, it's during the Clone Wars. And then the episode guide said, no, it it actually does take place before the Clone Wars, so probably before the Confederacy of Independent Systems exists. That patch obviously goes on to become their emblem, but at that point, it does seem like they were Republic officers. So that is interesting
0: it is interesting it doesn't change my thoughts on that scene really yeah or the the flashbacks
1: yeah i mean if anything it just answers the question <laughs> why did she call them republic officers when they were wearing separatist patches it adds more questions to the mystery mm-hmm. um i still want to see all of that unfold but yeah it's just it, it seems like marva is not a fan of the republic and would line up with the idea that Cassian fought with the Separatists during the Clone Wars, um, which he did mention fighting on Mimbin, and uh, our our friends at Force Center Podcast speculated that could be a fight during the Clone Wars. We don't know. I I assumed it would be like when Han Solo fought Mm -hmm. on Mimbin, but it very well could have been that he fought there during the Clone Wars.
0: Yeah, and I guess it is important to know that it is before the Clone Wars started so that we know that Cassian has at least been in the fight since like right before the Clone Wars started.
1: Right. And we know we're going to see clone troopers that, that was in trailers. So that all might be Clone Wars era flashbacks. We might see why Cassian joins the fight against the Republic. We don't know, but I hope we find that out soon. I think, I think we'll probably have to wait until the third arc, but I'm intrigued.
0: Rick Villanueva wants to know what our expectations for phase two of The High Republic are.
1: Um, I will say that I have read Path of Deceit. That's the book that comes out on Tuesday. Uh, I won't spoil anything about it, but I will Let just say... Let me tell you yeah, all about so it. So here's everything that happens. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed it. I'll have the full review out on Tuesday. Um, I, I will just say to help set up, if you're a fan of The High Republic phase one... I think you'll enjoy the High Republic phase two. If you didn't dig phase one, I don't think phase two is really going to change your mind. It is very much like more of the same. It makes sense. Like all of this was planned out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I guess I'm just expecting to meet some new characters or see some old characters from phase one when they were younger and uh, get to enjoy them even more so that in phase three when they die... Horribly, I'll be <laughs> that much more heartbroken.
0: Ugh, that's going to hurt. Um, Really, my only expectations for phase two is to find out more about the nameless. That's about it. And, <laughs> and like, what happened on Dalna?
1: Yeah, and I do think the both of those things are going to get answered. They teased them well enough. And then at the end of Midnight Horizon in phase one, Yoda's like, we have to look to our past to answer questions about our present, so... I think that's exactly what Phase 2 is meant to do, and Path of Deceit gets us off to a good start on that.
0: On to YouTube questions, Son of Kratosk asks if the members of Rogue One would have received medals after the destruction of the Death Star along with Luke and Han.
1: I have to assume they would have. Either that or they get (laughs) (laughs) court-martialed. I'm sure they would not have.
0: I I guess they would need to also get medals, but like... They can't give medals to everyone. But
1: that's a pretty big deal. Like They wouldn't yeah. have been able to destroy the Death Star had they not done what they did.
0: That's true. I don't know. It, it, I, I'd be afraid that too many people in that room would know them as, you know, the, the what does he call them? The saboteurs, assassins, blah, mm. blah, blah. So I feel like politics might get in the way for a few people. Be like, hmm... Y'all don't get medals. Aw, good job though.
1: No, they deserve them. Gym, I'm saying they yeah. do,
0: but for for the show of it all, uh huh. I'm saying they probably wouldn't have gotten them.
1: Yeah, I, I think that uh, they probably only have two medals to give, and that's why Chewie does get a medal. I know, but uh-huh. uh, that we only see Han and Luke get medals. Wedge isn't up there. Uh, Yvonne Verlaine isn't up there. More pilots than just Luke and Han uh, did that, (laughs) but obviously it's just like, for the story purposes, it's about the arcs that Luke and Han went through. It's like, hey, you became less selfish. Here's a medal. But now it's it's always raised questions of like, where's Chewie's medal? Well, he didn't really have an arc (laughs) in Mm -hmm. A New Hope. He was just kind of there. Wedge wasn't a character that everyone loved in 1977, so... It's funny to see that spiral out now, but I'm just going to say they only had a set number of medals, and they had to draw straws to see who got <laughs> them, and Wedge drew the short straw.
0: Well, it's it happens all the time in history that something happens, a war or something or other happens, and the victors are held on this pedestal, but the real victors are not really in the limelight, and I'm now find out about them later.
1: I'm now imagining Wedge. Like, excuse me, I've been in this rebellion for like three years at this point. I defected from the Empire. I risked my life to come here. These two people who just showed up, they get the medal. I don't get a medal. These
0: two ding-dongs? Yeah,
1: they just got here. If
0: they had seen the way they acted on the Death Star before Leia was like, (laughs) get your stuff together.
1: They just failed upwards to the highest degree, Wedge sitting there alone outside like, I don't get a medal. Your this heroes is, aren't
0: really your heroes, folks.
1: This is some poo-doo.
0: <laughs> Jedi Spartan 38 wants to know if the Imperial mining disaster on Kanari is just propaganda.
1: 100%. <laughs>
0: Probably. I I mean, there could have been a mining disaster, but I'm sure there was more to it than that.
1: I'm going to say it's it's either... Uh, complete propaganda. And, you know, just like in Rogue One when they say Jeddah was destroyed in a mining accident. Okay, fine. So, like, it seems like that's just the Imperial line. Or this is <laughs> the Imperial mining accident that they're like, oh, we can just use that for everything.
0: Yeah, the, the one that started all the uh-huh. other rumors. I mean, from the looks of it, it looked like there was mining happening there. And yeah. it looked kind of abandoned, like something terrible happened. So I think there was a disaster, but there was definitely more to it than that.
1: It's just the, the Imperial catch-all for like, oops, we destroyed it. And they're, they're just going to try to hide it. But yeah, it's a viable lie because there was mining there before the time of the Clone Wars, uh, whether that was Republic or Separatist movement or what have you. Um, and there was mining on Jeddah as well for kyber crystals. So again, like it works, but I think there's something else that happened again, like Molly has brought up. Why do you have to keep it a secret that Cassine is from Kanari? Basically, I think something, the empire did something there and they want to keep it quiet. And the whole mining accident thing is another little breadcrumb to that.
0: Hugo Ease asks if all Star Wars actors should sign over their voice and likeness to Lucasfilm moving forward.
1: Yeah, so James Earl Jones has retired from acting, and he gave permission for his voice to be artificially created moving forward. Um, I I think that is obviously, that's his choice, and uh, I will abide by his choice. I think that's true for any actor that decides to do that. I don't think it should be required. Like... I don't know, the, all the deepfake stuff and the artificially generated voices, to me it starts getting into Jurassic Park territory of like, it's really neat that we can do this. I don't know if we should be doing it <laughs> all the time, especially.
0: Yeah, the the way this question is worded just sounds a little extreme. Like just the, the idea that anyone in Star Wars has to sign that stuff away for the rest of eternity, I, I think within people's contracts, you could say yes to something like this for a certain amount of time with exceptions.
1: Right. And I don't think they are making a habit of doing that, of like, hey, Pedro Pascal, your face is ours for now, from now on, forever. I don't think they're doing that. Um, it, it's more just little case-by-case things like Mark Hamill, who, again, is involved... And his voice is being artificially generated. They're using deep fakes. Like, obviously, they have his full permission. And I think as, as long as an actor consents to that, it' okay. But it, it just starts to get into that dicey, like, I trust Lucasfilm to use this technology well. But I don't trust the world to.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's... It's different cuz with James Earl Jones it's pretty much just his voice. Mm-hmm. We don't see his face as as himself as the actor. Uh and I think it might also depend on how well-loved a character becomes over time. Like they didn't think character characters like Vader would just be an instant hit when it came out. I in mean this- in
1: 1977 everyone was like this is going to bomb. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they didn't know back then that this would still be going on to this day. <laughs> yeah. Mark Hamill has always been a big supporter of the franchise, so he's been kind of on board with a lot of stuff through like over the years. But yeah, I don't know. I I think this is something that could possibly come up with actors like Daisy Ridley and and, you know, the the sequel trilogy actors, but maybe years down the line. Yeah.
1: And I mean also Vader is kind of a weird one like I get it on one hand it's nice that you know James Earl Jones will still be voicing Darth Vader but also it's not a difficult voice to imitate when it goes through all those filters mm-hmm. like I I feel like they could have just recast Vader as someone that did a good impression and it wouldn't be that hard to trick us <laughs> Yeah But it, it's like I do think that it is a nice gesture to James Earl Jones, to be like, you created this voice and we are going to keep it you. So there are pros and cons. I'm just afraid that someday, like when everyone is able to use this technology (laughs) that was developed for neat movies, Mm. it's going to be trouble.
0: Yeah, it it could easily fall into the wrong hands and be used for evil. So... (laughs) Also, this know. is
1: not just a Lucasfilm thing. I saw earlier today, I think Bruce Willis signed over his likeness to a deepfake company. Uh, so this is not just, like, be careful, Lucasfilm. This is, like, be careful, entire movie industry.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, all the big Marvel characters have this same idea kind of looming I'm sure. over their heads.
1: I'm sure they do. And, I mean, we know... Uh, just based off of descriptions from the leaked indie trailer, there is a de-aged Harrison Ford, which again he gave—he was there. It, he gave his full permission. Um, I don't know. It's just something that we'll have to see how it all plays out. But I'm—I'm I'm hesitant to like really go gung ho mm-hmm. <laughs> at this technology for everyone.
0: Yeah, it's—it's it's scary stuff when you really think <laughs> about it. And as the actor involved. You know, it it has the potential of being a ball and chain for the rest (laughs) of your life, which is kind of scary.
1: That's all the time for questions we have today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel.
0: Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.
1: And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.